the mantra of the municipal light plant is to Im improve the quality of life for the communities they serve. That, that's really the whole point. Hi there, this is Lisa Gonzalez from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This week, Chris visits Holyoke, Massachusetts and talks with Tim Haas. Tim is the senior network engineer from Holyoke Gas and Electric. HCND has provided telecommunication services through its fiber network for over 15 years. The network began in 1997, saving public dollars and encouraging economic development ever since. Holyoke's sense of purpose comes from the heart of the community. Shareholders are citizens. Profits are measured by how the network improves the quality of life. The team that runs the network is directly accountable to the people and businesses of Holyoke. Their mantra, as Tim described it, guides the utility in the decision-making process. Holyoke remains one of the community networks others try to emulate. Here are Tim and Chris. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Uh, today I'm speaking with uh, senior network engineer Tim Haas from Holyoke Gas and Electric. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, so I just met you. Uh, we had lunch together with a group of other folks up there in uh, Western Mass when I was coming through the region, which I was very glad to get to know people, uh, see you face-to-face. -face. Um, maybe you could start by describing uh, that area of the country for our guests. Sure. We're uh, located in Holyoke, Massachusetts. It's in the western part of Massachusetts. It's a reasonably rural area made up of four counties, Holyoke is located 90 miles east, I'm sorry, west of Boston. Yeah, it's a lot drier there. Yeah, and uh, about 30 minutes north of, of Hartford, Connecticut. We're about eight miles north of Springfield, Mass., the birthplace of basketball. And Holyoke itself is uh, an old industrial city that came about in the mid-1800s. Uh, it was, I believe, the second planned industrial city in the United States where they harnessed hydroelectric power off of the Connecticut River and built a industrial paper manufacturing town. And so if you fast forward a little ways, you have uh, municipal gas and electric um, in the parlance of Massachusetts, a municipal light plant. Um, and uh, you eventually decided that it would make sense to get into the telecommunications investments. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about when that happened and, and what the reasons were? Sure. Holyoke Gas and Electric itself was founded in 1902 as a municipal light plant, which is an, an interesting way that the municipality separates the functions of town government and, and delivering services. So the municipal light plant enables the municipality to go into business. And Holyoke Gas and Electric was founded by the city in 1902 for the purpose of delivering gas lamp service to, to residences and then ultimately over time converted to, to electric light service. In 2002, we acquired the assets of Holyoke Water Power slash Northeast Utilities and, and became, became a hydroelectric operator. And just previous to that, uh, about 1997 or so, is when we laid our first fiber optic cable. And that was born out of the electric department foresight and desire to to test this new technology. And uh, the, the real uh, the gentleman who originated that is the electric superintendent here at Holyoke Gas Electric. His name is Brian Beauregard. 
And so when they did that, they said, well, maybe we can hook up uh, city buildings. And and they decided that they were going to install a, a, a large capacity single mode fiber optic ring throughout the city limits and throughout all the substations. And that's really where it was born. It was, you know, trying to hook up and do local networking and, and get to some greater capacity. And from there, the, the actual telecom division was born, and we decided that uh, it may be beneficial to the city to start delivering services to businesses and, and other t institutions within town, considering that we had all of this, this fiber optic infrastructure to work with, and we actually had a lit network. That, that's really how I got started was through the need of the, of the utility and, and the foresight of the, the folks running the electric division. I'm always interested in how these things develop. We've seen in a number of cases where the, the municipal light plant or, uh, or public utility um, connects substations, and then it realizes, oh, we could connect the schools. And then businesses find out about these incredibly fast connections, and then they start encouraging that they should be connected as well. How was it in, in Holyoke? Was this something that uh, that like elected leaders saw the potential, or was it local businesses that came to City Hall and said, uh, this is what we should do? I think it was a combination of the two. A lot of municipalities struggle with the, the lack of quality service or high-speed service. And at the time, this was really, if you if you if you rewind and go back to 1998, that's that's 15 years ago. That's fiber optic wasn't even really in our daily language. Yet, no, right. I, I was in. I remember um, I was in college at the time, undergrad, and uh, T ones were man, they were smoking. Right. And they're still around, but it was really, I think that the, the businesses were very open. You know, if we talk about healthcare and higher education and public education and municipal requirements and public safety requirements, all of these things kind of just melded together and it was, the gas and electric was the entity that, that could, could make this happen and, and make this work and, and they did. And so how many businesses uh, do you serve? Is it uh, the case that anyone can take service or is it yes. those that are located close by? No, we're, again, the network itself throughout the city limits of Holyoke is pervasive. So we can deliver fiber anywhere. We, we've got um, a dozen different points of presence here in the town alone. We've also got an arrangement with the city of Chicopee who laid their dark fiber plant at about the same time. But they really didn't do a lot with it other than maybe some dark fiber connections between the buildings. And uh, so it was about 2005, I believe, HG&E and uh, Chickabee Electric Light got together and we formed a, a partnership where we would extend our services to businesses in their town. And basically they lease the dark fibers to us for a fee and they bring them back to a uh, pop. We put in a switch in their one, their main substation, and uh, we deliver service to businesses in Chicopee. Do you uh, also deliver services in Southampton or any other places? No, not at this time. We do have we did one thing where we we have a uh, currently a 10 gigabit ring that's a backhaul ring between Springfield and Holyoke, and we've got our two main points of presence in in Springfield where we take our internet feeds from. And what we did in downtown Springfield is there's uh, several high-rises, and three of which we we saw a, a market need at the time. It was like 2003 we decided that we would fiber those high-rises up uh, from basement to, to roof. 
and we've got a few dozen customers through through those buildings and and that fiber gets tied back to our, our one of our main points of presence in Springfield at the basement of, of one of the towers. So that that is worked out well. And you haven't expanded in terms of uh, your own infrastructure, but when I met you, it was uh, with a group of people from mostly Leverett and uh, and one person from Princeton, uh, two towns that are looking at uh, building their own networks and. Um, yes. And I saw that you were there um, providing advice and giving them, um, helping them to work through their problems. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, how HG&E has been helping neighbors to to look at uh, what I would call locally self-reliant solutions? The mantra of the municipal light plant is to Im- improve the quality of life for the community they serve. That, that's really the whole point. These other towns have, uh, through the grapevine or whatever, have, have heard about what we've been doing, and they're new to the to the fiber optic networking and all the intricacies that go along with delivering a, a telecommunication service. So in Leverett's case, they, they approached HG&E and asked if, if, if we would help them in their endeavor to, to build a fiber to the home. And we thought it was a, a great opportunity to to help another community. And they really had all their ducks in a row and how they wanted to do it. So they requested through what um, is called here in Massachusetts an, an intergovernmental agreement where HG&E agreed to become Leverett's owner's project manager throughout the life of the project. So we would more or less be their, their eyes on the on the street and make sure that the project was going accordingly obviously mitigate any issues that arise with projects of this size, but really take, you know, Leverett take advantage of HGE's 15-year experience in, in fiber optic networking and what it takes to build it and what it takes to own it and what it takes to run it. So we're, we feel privileged to be in, in a position to, to help another town like Leverett. And, uh, you know, HGE is really proud of our ability to, to help these folks. An assumption that we often make is that uh, with enough time, you can really lower the cost of an eventual uh, deployment of fiber to the home. And I'm just sort of curious if if you see in the future an inevitability of HG&E doing uh, fiber to the home and uh, within Holyoke and whether or not you can drop the costs by planning for it over a series of many years. That's something that we have looked at for a long time here, Chris. We've looked extensively at it over the past 10 years, three different times, probably every three years, in depth, and what the cost um, structure would be. And it's one of those things where if we're going to deliver a service like that to residences, it's, we really have to deliver it to everyone. And we've struggled with the return on investment of, of delivering fiber to the home and how we manage those services being delivered to the customer because we recognize where our strengths are. We recognize that we're good at, at building fiber plant. We're good at running networks. We're, we're good at managing those things. Um, but we're probably not large enough to justify building our own IPTV head end, for example. Right. Um, That's our, usually the trickiest part, right? <laughs> it is. And and that, that whole, as we know, is, is completely changing with the, the over-the-top wave that's, that's we're, we're seeing, right? So, you know, again, those models kind of change. And if you look at, just to digress back to Leverett, they opted not to do TV at all. 
It was it's straight high-speed broadband and telephone service. And their thought process is, is there are enough options out there, and the industry is changing so fast that to make an investment into something like IPTV just doesn't seem to fit into the whole ROI model of building your own network and, and maintaining it over the long term. Right. Uh, especially for the smaller folks, and, and HD&E is in that similar position. So we're, we're we have a, a tough struggle because we can't simply just go out and build something without a clear return on investment, because we have to answer to our ratepayers, and and those are the folks that we serve. So we have to be very cognizant of where our capital money goes and where our operational expenses are focused on. And, and we've been very successful in the business environment. We have hundreds of connections on our, our fiber network. Everything is point-to-point, is point. and so we have uh, tremendous amounts of flexibility between the customer prem and our, and our points of presence locations from, um, you know, we started out with, with 10 meg Ethernet. Now our, our lowest links, link uh, speed is 100 meg, and, of course, we, we limit those, but we're delivering gigabit connections. We have a bunch of those out there, and we've got plans in place to put a multi-10 gig ring in and be able to offer 10 gig access loops. And, and our belief is, you know, within the capital and operational confines that um, – the network really should be pervasive, and that's how we view it from our utility operations, from city municipal, again, from public safety, all the way down to our customers. It should be, people shouldn't have to think about the network. And if they're built and constructed correctly, it's a matter of, well, not how much can I use, but how much do I need and do I really care? That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's, I'm always interested in um, the difference between uh, geographies, too, because some places, it may just be more practical than in others because of sure. uh, whether you're going above ground, underground, whatever. Um, but is there is there anything else that we should uh, know about Holyoke that you want to brag about before we end this, this uh, interview? I think probably the one thing, Chris, is we couldn't do any of this without our staff. And the fact, again, going back to this whole MLP environment, Customer service is, is number one for us. And one of the things that really makes us successful is a talented team of technicians, engineers, um, right on through. You know, uh, our telecom division is, is 15 folks strong, right from uh, the operations manager, Kirk Jonah, down through sales, operations, engineering, administration, all of that. It's all about serving the customer locally. We pride ourselves on a 15-minute turnaround time. We, re, we pride ourselves on knowing what's going on with our network at all times, day or night. And we pride ourselves on building uh, and, and keeping a reputation as the best in the area. It reminds me of a conversation I was just having yesterday in which we were talking about uh, what's what the different motivations are and uh, for the municipal networks and um, the friendliness of staff, the great customer service, that's typically what sets them apart. Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, we don't hesitate to, to send a technician or engineer to the customer site. That's a, that's a major difference in, in most carriers. We do not hesitate. If, 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 if there's any question we have someone on site. Well, thank you for coming on and, uh, and telling us about Holyoke and how, um, you know, we're, we've been excited watching the whole region because Western Mass seems like it's figuring out 
faster than many other regions of the country just how important these networks are and the role that local governments and uh, and their uh, brethren can play in terms of spurring the investments. With all this activity you're seeing around, it, I don't think it would be possible without the Mass Broadband Institute and the federal stimulus that built this 1,300 route mile, middle mile network throughout Western Mass. That has really been the spark. I've never seen this kind of activity in Western Mass in my entire career. It's really exciting. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot, Chris. Tim wanted to make sure we mentioned Jim Lavelle, manager of HGND. Tim says that without Jim, all HGE's strides would not be possible. For more on the network, visit hged.com and follow the telecommunications link from the products and services menu. Thank you again for listening to the Broadband Bits podcast. We want your ideas for the show, so feel free to email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. This show was released on September 24, 2013. Thank you again to the group Break the Bands for their song, Escape, licensed using Creative Commons. Have a great day.